This is Del Barber, and you're listening to the Cloud Watcher Funeral Podcast. Jared was six foot tall, 300 pounds. His shoulders were wide and his belly was round. His mouth was the size of a quarter, but he always wore a smile. He was a pleasure to have around when the nights got wild. We were driving late October in a souped-up Escalade. Two old thugs talking about their feelings and all the mistakes we made. It's hard to know just how you end up wherever you're at Till you're driving around with 25 grand And unmarked bills and a big black Cadillac I ain't chasing that lonely feeling I ain't looking for a way out I'm just making the most of what's on my toast And then I'm choking every single run Saying I'm a good man, but I sure as hell ain't all bad. I keep myself from wanting what those other people had. Yeah, Jared was a little different. He seemed to see the good in everyone Never once did he hesitate To get the dirtiest of dirty jobs done So when I got the call from the big man I said yes sir and hung up the phone Stop the truck, take a leak Before I sent him to his final home And with my finger on the trigger I asked him to turn see that little smile one more time before he hit the ground I told him I was sorry but I knew he understood he would have done the same damn thing if he was standing where I stood I ain't chasing that lonely feeling I ain't looking for a way just making the most of what's on my toes and then I'm choking every single crumb down I ain't saying I'm a good man but I sure as hell ain't all bad I keep myself from wanting what those other for coming on the Todd Watcher Uno podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ah, no, it's uh, the, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, having listened to your music and it's just uh, a pri- privilege to have you on the show. Honestly, I, I love the chance to get to talk about music and, and why we're all here and what we're doing and uh, or trying to do. So it's, it's nice to be on there. Thanks. And um, your new album, Almanac. Almanac, yep. Uh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> where, do, where do we start? It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm spellbound by it. I'm, I'm, I'm sad in parts by it. I'm happy in parts by it. I, I, I just have all the emotions about the album um I, I know that uh, you you've you've worked on on, on it for, for a while can 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 you tell us a little bit about the genesis of the album yeah absolutely so I, I had a little bit of time to kind of go through all my old notebooks and memories of songs and threads little threads that were dangling and I was able to to, to make this record uh, called stray dogs which came out a couple of years ago 
and it was it was basically the end of of an era for me it felt like and so I, this was the first record where i felt like i was i was starting over in a way at least at least in terms of a songwriter i, I had a complete at least what felt like a blank slate I, I don't think it was completely blank but it was the most sort of open uh, wa uh yeah sort of strange period of my life as a writer because i didn't have any ideas that i was working on i was just i felt like i was starting with nothing you know and and i hadn't done that since i was 18 or or even earlier when i started pretending to write songs you know that's all i've ever done is just pretend to do it and then someone says that's not a bad song and then you end up with an album worth of songs you know and i, I feel like in the last few years i, I didn't have any pressure either I, I it didn't matter to me whether or not this was going to be my career still. I just was writing because I was compelled to write and I didn't have a concept of audience or uh, stage or anything. I was just cooped up and putting my pen to paper and singing and trying to figure out what made the songs the most compelling and what stories were worth telling. Uh, and, and to who, I don't know. Uh, and, and so for me, uh, before this, I always felt like I, I had to picture who was listening to my songs and, and who they were for. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think this was the first time in my life where I was just making art because I was compelled to do it. Not even because I liked it a lot of the time. It was, you know, some of it's torturous, writing songs. But uh, but I couldn't help it. And, and uh that's just like who I am now, I guess. Uh, for how long, I don't know, but I'm pretty happy with the result of this thing. So thank you. Well, um, three of my uh, standout tracks uh, still got you. Cool. Jared. Yeah, nice. And me and Jim. Oh, right on. <laughs> Spoiler alert really... for, for those who, who will listen to the album we will, when, when it come, comes out in April. But I, Oh, Jared just kills me. But I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna get done to that yet. I'm gonna start okay. with okay. Still got you. And so my question to you is, who's your special special some someone? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that song was was written. I mean, I def I have a partner. She's amazing, and, and we get through life together. And and in the back of my mind, it was about her, but it's also about where I live, you know. And and yeah. I I love writing love songs about places. And our my my love with my with my wife is wrapped up in where we live too. We, we can't really be our our relationship can't be separated from from this little farm in rural Manitoba. So I I feel like there's just such a connection to to this place. And I and I got to spend quite a bit of time here over the last few years and, and I remember walking outside it was beautiful like kind of a spring day it was probably only five below zero or something and I remember it was dark out and I have a one giant yard light uh, just on the north side of the farm yeah and it's really nice to have in the winter when you're coming home with groceries and it's dark or something but when you want to see the stars, you need to turn it off. And so the first thing I did when I bought this farm is I wired a switch into that big yard light. So I remember I had to go take a leak and I had, was right by the switch and I turned it off and, and it was just like, boom, the sky just was like completely uh, just covered in stars. It felt like there was more, there was more stars than there was black. You know, it was one of those perfect still starry nights. And that's, that's where the song was immediate just came to me turn the yard light off so i can wander at the stars and i just i stayed out there for an hour and my wife yelled at me and she's like what are you doing out there i thought you were just going to take a leak you know and, uh, <laughs> it turned out that i was just way too uh, infatuated with the night sky and and i felt like i had to figure out a way to write about where we live in a in a simple hopeful way you know and part of that song is is really about feeling guilty about having this place yeah and being okay with some level of guilt um, and realizing that so many people don't get to enjoy the same things I enjoy. And uh, as that song progresses, it goes on to talk about that a little bit, you know, and just to, in terms of watching my friends. I remember having a pile of friends in the Black Lives Matter protests, and some of them had gotten hurt. And here I am just pulling weeds in my garden and, uh, you know, 
living this simple, beautiful life. And I felt both grateful and guilty simultaneously. And I think for us, like middle, lower middle class white dudes, I think that's that's an okay feeling as long as you can kind of have a little bit of both, you know. So that's really what I was trying to get at. Um, part of being grateful is, yeah, I think acknowledging that there are others that just don't have the same, you know, privileges. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you could. It, it is a privilege, privilege, privilege to to have that. But I mean, I mean, you could lay on that guild trip, you know. But um, where would 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 it, would it, would it end end? And because you'd just be, you know, oh no, I've I've got this and I've got that. But you, the sky is a gift to us all, and you were just enjoying it. We without. Yeah light pollution and the things that we in the city just take for granted that you oh look there's the moon but then there's also the light from all the street lights as well so you can't really see it you can't appreciate it and it's you know from the sounds of it you know you you will be witched by, by the beauty of the by, by the night sky and it's you know that's been there for millennia you know it's, yeah you know people have guided themselves by the night sky on through through sea land mountains and in you know it is a is a privilege but i to me it's not one that i think you should feel guilty about i think think it's one to, to be you know to, to say yeah, there's a joy to it and i think that's what you've expressed in that song yeah, thank you. I mean, it's hard to describe it as guilt, but I do yeah, want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I agree with you on one hand. On the other hand, I'm like, I do want to feel how close I am to, to not having this place and, and how so many of my friends want yeah. what we have. And, and we've managed to mine out this little corner in the world. And, and yeah, I do. I, that's exactly the feeling I get when when I feel I just feel lucky. And uh, yeah. I feel I feel like and it's not like we have have a lot of money or you know but we just managed to figure out a way to do it and it's taken us some time but we're like slowly building this little this little beautiful corner of the world out here and and i want to be uh grateful for it and i want to celebrate it and yeah. i also i want to i want other people to experience it on some level and, and that's just this it's just like you're saying like in terms of who we are as people in general and like on a meta level like i don't want anyone to forget about the sky yeah. Um, and and I don't want them. I want to. I want other people to feel humbled by it. And and it's and we just live so close to the land here, and so close to to the the rugged the ruggedness of it, and the wildness yeah. of it. And and uh and I want to try to celebrate that in my writing whenever I can. So. Well, uh, I for one celebrate your celebration. Cool. Of that. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Um. Now, Jared, the the song, honestly, you had me in tears because I know in the in the country album you should have at least one murder ballad, ballad at least. Sure. But please, why did you have to do that to Jared? Why? <laughs> well, it's in some ways it's it's a true story. I used to work wow. in a rehab. I used to work in a drug rehab center. My mom used to run a rehab center, and. I mean, it's what it's what you'd call a composite character. Yeah. I, I used I used to drive uh, people to their court dates. And my first my first foray into the justice system, I drove a a, a seventeen year old kid to his second degree murder trial for four weeks, and um, it was just like a wild, rude awakening. And of course, he had me convinced that he was innocent. Yeah. And, and then, of course. <laughs> Of course, it came to a uh, pass that he was not at all, and uh, and and I, I just grew to really like him, um, and I, I grew to feel like there was no such thing as justice in that situation when it already had gone wrong. Yeah, and uh, and I, so I was trying to write about about somebody who has a different moral compass who makes a decision. Uh, that probably isn't considered good by any means, but I think he's already in a flawed situation and 
so nothing good can happen anyway. And uh, I just wanted to empathize with someone who had to make decisions like that. And because uh, I've never really had to make decisions uh, with that much weight behind them. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it sort of, it starts off from a true story, but I did fill in the blanks with some other people I had met and, and especially like the character part and what they looked like and yeah. who I had worked around when I was in rehab. Those are all sort of like based on true, on true characters and true stories that I sort of had combined into this, into this statement piece about, about what it means to, to make the wrong decision, you know? So, yeah, I, that's my favorite song on the record. And, uh, I hope, I hope people hear it as more than just a, a simple story about, yeah. about about a ruthless killing. I think there's something <laughs> else there, and I think it's like allegorical on some levels too. And um, that's what I was trying to get at anyway. So hopefully people hear it that way. Well, it's a way that he tries to justify it to himself. But I ain't saying I'm a good man, but I sure hell ain't all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite line is that is uh, making the most of what's on my toast. And uh, I, just, I love that. Yeah. Making the most. Oh, I like, feel like genius, I, oh, absolute genius. Hands out, just you know, the Oscar goes to Del Bar. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I I really that that line for me is like uh, when I don't know where I got it, and I I feel like I'm I'm not responsible for it. I don't really think like they're my songs or like that that I that I'm that I'm some single person that, that I feel like I'm just a, a sponge and or a, a, a conduit or whatever. Yeah. And, and I, when I, when I wrote that line down, I was like, well, thanks. I don't know where it came from, but well, I just uh, felt like, Whoa, thank you. Cause like, this is, this is exactly the type of sort of John Prine line that I'm always after. Uh, that's, you know, that that's, yeah. it, it's the, the, the comedy, tra the comedy tragedy coin, yeah, comedy all that stuff. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank well, you. um, <laughs> now it, to to um, make a met metaphor, the stars definitely aligned when you made that. Oh, song. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that song. I, I hope I hope people like it as much as I do. And and uh, nobody nobody like on the record label front or anybody thought it should have been a single except me. And of course, it's not a single, but I think it'll just be one of those songs that oh. that that my fans love and uh, and that i'll play every night for the rest of my life so definitely definitely well it's uh it's it, i must have played that song three or four times and then i was like yeah i'm gonna play it again i, I don't care <laughs> I uh, that's so great to hear because you know sometimes story songs that are linear like that yeah once you get the story it it's sort of you know, it's sometimes I don't think they get the repeat listens that that yeah. other types of songs do. But I, I I don't I really love that song, and I, I've been playing it every night just because it's not, the record's not even out. But every time I get on stage, I yeah. just I, I can't help it. So no, it's it is if you went under the dictionary, it's like perfect song, just there. <laughs> uh, i don't know about that but but i'll take the compliment thank you very much uh um which leads me on to um me and jim Saturday night Low reps High weight Shiny muscle And my Great lining Of silver To my every week Was gone now With one rep too many Bench press in the last set, I was spotting an old gym. Every muscle was perfect and dialed right in. He slipped in one last breath, his heart let go. And he died on that bench, I guess God only knows. Love is simple and hard to hold on to. 
mistake I never told him I loved him But I believed he knew And our love was not perfect But I'm sure it was true Under Jim's favorite tree Reading unsent letters Addressed to me I could have drowned in my tears But I finally knew But Jim felt the same way And our love, it was true Love is simple And hard to hold on to We had something Stay. I never told him I loved him, but I finally knew that our love was not perfect, but I'm sure it was true. I'm trying my best not to spoil it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, oh my, because it's just like, yeah, just two, just just two dudes, just like you know, they've got this like gym relationship, and but it's yeah. much deeper than that because it goes, I love wasn't perfect, but I'm sure it was true. Yeah, well, I'm, I've always loved writing. I don't write a lot of love songs about my own life or relationship. Yeah, uh, but I do love to write love songs about unlikely characters and unlikely lovers and i and i think i just i didn't really think I, you know i all of my love songs in the past have been very like um there's always been a sense of humor in them yeah and um and you know trying not to take ourselves too seriously our humanity too seriously our problems etc and and uh but I, but they've always been pretty narrowly focused on men and women, and, and I wanted to try and say something, and write a, my type of love song with with a different couple in mind. You know, I'm like I'm like I don't hear many songs like that, and no, you uh, don't. And and I'm and I'm worried, like, you know, obviously writing about other people is patronizing. Uh, it can be mm. positively patronizing, and hopefully my songs are, but. I always worry that when I write about particular people that I've met, or at least base songs around them, um, that that there's going to be a negative patronizing factor. And there's always a risk there. And you just try to do those characters as much justice or or verb or whatever you want to call it as you can. And uh, and so I'd met this the, these two old weightlifters in Montreal a few years ago, and and I, I they were holding hands walking down the street, and one of them made fun of my shoes or something and we struck up a conversation and, and then that and then that was it i just i had to write a song about them and, and so I've, I've been trying to write that song ever since and um hopefully it doesn't come across as trying to make fun of them i i really don't think that's what it was but no but, it, but immediately uh that relationship was what what i had with them and it was such a brief sort of few moments and a cup of coffee and stuff but yeah. um because when I, when i meet compelling characters i'm annoyingly persuasive about details <laughs> so <laughs> i, I uh, especially if i'm traveling alone i get i get these cravings for social connection and i'm i'm an introvert but i but i'm not shy and yeah um, but if i do meet someone compelling i will start to ask about their life if they're comfortable with it and, and i've gotten good at interviewing people uh without them really thinking it's an interview and then usually i end up sending them the song and they're either angry or very pleased and uh, and then i go i go with which reaction um whether or not i should pursue the song further you know so yeah that that's where that song came from and it, it is just like uh unrequited love it's simple as yeah. that um uh 
but also everyone's relationships look differently and and uh, I think theirs might have been better than most anyway, even though there was an unspoken love there. Uh, so I don't know. I, and I think that happens with a lot of different types of people in different situations. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm nervous about putting that song out because I, 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 you know, I'm worried about people being upset by it because I'm writing from a perspective I don't really know. But I, I think I'm trying to write about the universal part of it. So hopefully that comes across but but yeah i feel like it's a little bit of a risk so we'll see it, it definitely does but for, for, for me listening it listening to the album linearly it, it, it was a one-two punch because just before was jared, jared and then you've, you've got me and jim it's just like <gasps> how many more deaths are going to be in the album <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i guess uh i used to write my, uh, when my father was alive, we, we wrote a lot of songs together and, and I was always the hopeful voice and he was always the one that was trying to kill everybody off. He, just <laughs> had, this, he had this morose attitude. And, and so when I lost him, maybe he just sort of pushed, started pushing that into my songs without me knowing it. He's just from beyond the pale, just, just telling me more people need to die in your songs. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's true though. It's like I have been dealing with with death and his passing, and mm. so that's probably coming into my writing without really know me knowing it. Yeah, um, trying to think about my own death more in a, in a way that isn't fearful. You know, I'm 39. I'm not. I'm not old, but I'm not young, and I want to sort of. I want to understand that I'm not going to live forever. Uh, I have to sort of face that and just like everybody does. And I don't, I want to do it gracefully. I, my dad did it gracefully as gracefully yeah. as you can. And, and I, I look up to him for that. And so, you know, I'd like to see that those themes uh, work, the, work their way into my, into my next batch of songs and, and hopefully in a way that's hopeful instead of, instead of morose. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, from a Sikh perspective, it's, it's always, there's only one way that we're gonna go. As soon as you're born, there's the one ultimate destination we're all gonna go. And right. why are you trying to, you know, forget about it by, mm -hmm. you know, just chasing after that house, chasing after that job, chasing after that person, chasing, you know, there is, that, that constant is never gonna shift, you, you know death is there waiting for us so how are you preparing yourself can you prepare yourself what do you do to prepare yourself and um i think um there's a long history of especially in um, the broader country music music genre of murder ballads coming from you know when 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 it came from Scotland and everything mm -hmm. else and coming the, down the little line, they were re-envisioned. I mean, um, Charlie Crockett does one in in his late ladies album, The Man Man from Waco. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's always so, so there. These are universal themes, you know, mm -hmm. these, these touch on, you know, points that are fixed in everyone's life. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I love I love that perspective that death's there waiting for you. That, that you just said that, and I'm like, well, yeah. And I don't want to run. I don't want to pretend to run towards it either. Yeah. But I also don't want to just live a life that that just resists it. I, I you know, and and so finding whatever people call peace or balance is is sort of what i'd like to try to do and, and what i'd like music to allow as well you know in, and sometimes art does suspend time and it feels like you're you you're, you exist outside of the sort of uh, linear scope of of what we have and, and the clock's not ticking for those few moments when you get lost in a song or in a painting or something and i think that is uh or you don't know who you're sitting beside at a concert yeah. Um, you know, the idea that art brings together people of difference uh, makes gives me a lot of hope for this uh, instead of just preaching to a choir or 
finding those people that agree with you and uh i think art can do more than that i think it can actually bring people of political difference together as well and um and all of that i think happens because of you know that that you get decentered when you when you listen to a great song uh it affects you and you can't really understand how it's affecting another person and and you know that i think and i think that's that's why i'm doing it and that's like the the main sort of purpose for us artists and and communicators like yourself too like it's you know i think it really you don't know who listens to your podcast you don't know what stripes are on their back and i think yeah. that is the coolest part of it all you know well i i, I totally agree with you with um, your view on music and it does suspend time it puts you into a place it it can it's also a form of time travel as well it, it, it can yeah. take you back yeah to when you heard a song who you heard with where you were with when when you heard, heard it as yeah. well it's it's a way of being free of you know uh, uh enjoying that moment and you know time doesn't enter into it then it's mm -hmm. it's enjoying that emotion whether it be you know it's a sad song or a happy song or one that makes you want to dance in your kitchen mm -hmm. it's it's a release it's it's a space that could be almost a another, another universe a universe that's filled with just that frequency and those mm -hmm. vibrations of the lyrics and songs that transports you into a world that's been created for you by the artist and they've given you that passport they've given you that token that lets you in and it's only when you stop listening to the song do you come back to this plane of existence yeah, it does feel like a different plane sometimes and i think the art from the artist's perspective too i think oh i wonder i wonder how much it has to do with us at all you know like the creator of it i just i just don't i can't really buy into the idea that it's me you know that i mean i'm just such a combination of so many factors and like language and and upbringing and uh influences and and i don't really feel i feel a little bit out of touch with the idea that that i make the song yeah that, that i present it i really like i i mean i appreciate that there's intellectual property rate laws so i i make a little, little bit of money but but otherwise like i just don't feel like they're mine you know, I, I don't feel like I own them or have a say, you know, uh, and I, and I think they're, for me, they're also forever editable. Like if somebody came up to me and said, you know, if you just changed this line and Jared, yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I was like, that's a really, if it was a, a better idea and I agreed, you know, if, yeah. if there was consensus, um, I would change it. You know, it's just like the same way Gordon Lightfoot changed lyrics to histor his, some of his historical songs, like The Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald. When they found out new facts about the ship, he changed it because he wanted it to be true and reflect what happened. And I think the same thing happens with truth on a more metaphysical level, like when it comes to poetry or concepts of character. Um, I don't think that once these things are recorded, they need to be, they need to be the same forever. Uh, could be allowed to change them however they want whoever's singing them you know and uh, i think musically you see it all the time like you see somebody cover uh any, any hit classic song and they change the guitar lick a little bit to suit them and nobody complains about it but as soon as you change the word to the song yeah and then people are upset and i'm like well music the the melody the guitar part is just as much about is this as much of a, of a language as as the lyric is and so i think people should feel way more free to just change things whenever they want and rewrite things and, and make them better and a likely a lot of times it'll make them worse and they will hear about it you know if, if anybody <laughs> if, they, if they have an audience but 
just to see things as, as these sort of idols that stand in front of us that we need to copy is also strange, you know. But if you, you know, most of the time we're covering songs because we really love them and we don't want to change them. But I think I wish people were more open to, to telling me when they thought my song could be better. That's for sure. I don't know why I go off on that tangent, but <laughs> that's one of well, my soapboxes for sure. I mean, for, for you as the artist, you've, you know, you've created it. It's your, your neurons have like pushed that into your hand to write it down or into your dictaphone, into your phone. And then you release that uh, live with an audience. Does does the song then take on a different character depending on the audience reaction? It has to, otherwise you're not doing it right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to pretend that no one's there. Like I'm not a type of performer who doesn't, who just doesn't care. I really want, like, there is a difference between entertainment and art, um, yeah. but good artists can be good entertainers. Um, and, and I think there is an art to entertaining as well. And there's a way to make your art more accessible, more palatable, if you're able to entertain at the same time. And I'm always, I'm always interested in trying to make people laugh and at my shows and through, through good stories. And, uh, and, and I and I and I really want to to rely on the energy of the audience to to help me figure out what they want to hear, you know, in terms of song order, in terms of how I want to sing the songs in particular, what arrangements, all that. And I, yeah, and I think it it always takes time to figure out what audiences like based on the year or based on the type of audience we have, and like you know, you go from playing a bar show. Uh, or uh, uh, in a club to, to then playing a show at a theater on a Sunday evening and the audience is going to be completely different. Um, even just, you know, seasoned bands love to play Mondays and Tuesday nights because audiences are just so much more attentive. I've heard so many musicians be like, oh, I love Mondays. Yeah. Monday shows are the best, especially if they're playing big bar shows. Cause you'll actually get people listening more intently. You know, I, if in my dream career, I would, I would be doing, I'd be doing maybe a few bar shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I would play theaters the rest of the week. And just so I could try to do both of those things still, but have them in a way that, that would, you'd still have people's attention. Cause in theaters you have their attention, uh, but you almost need some of that weekend electricity in theaters to, to, to give that place fuel. You know, people aren't thinking about going to work the next day necessarily. And so, you know, when people, I don't know, I, I like all those types of shows, but I am really interested in trying to develop a show and present these songs to people uh, in a way that, that suits them, that it's not about me, you know. The writing has been done. The songs are formed. Um, yeah, they'll change a little bit as I go, but like I really want to figure out a way to to make people happy and, and entertain them. You know, they spend so much money on tickets and getting to the shows, and uh, I just I don't want them to be disappointed by it at all. So, well, I mean, capturing that live experience, capturing that uh, genie in the bottle, I, I think that if that was possible and then to sprinkle that around would, would, would be phenomenal. You would be able to print money, I think. Seriously. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's not easy to do. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the live experience, seeing an artist like yourself live um, and comparing that to the songs in your head, but seeing an artist on stage singing those songs, there's no feeling like it. There's absolutely no feeling like it. And it's a joy and a privilege to, to see art, art, artists bring their music on stage. Um, yeah. What are the, the artists that you've seen that have inspired you that you might have seen on stage or you've seen in theaters or wherever you've seen them 
Um, well, recently, I've been I've been telling everybody to to go see Margot Silker. Okay. Yeah. She's incredible. I love her songs. There's nothing pretentious about her. Uh, she's she's not putting on airs. You know, I feel like it's just you know the word sincerity gets overused in this business, but but she has it in spades. And uh, and I I loved her records. And then I got to see her play in Nashville last year and at Americana. And uh, man, I was just like, it's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. You know, it was it fulfilled all. You know, and that's the problem with like see I see so many people perform just because it's my job. You know, I'm out yeah. all the time. We're on different bills um, at these music festivals and, and all the rest of it. And, and it's really hard for it not to get homogenous. Uh, but once in a while, someone comes along and sticks out like that. And so I've been telling everybody about Margot Silker. Um, but like in, in like what formatively for me, uh, I guess when I saw when I saw Neil Young play in Winnipeg, uh, it must have been a decade ago now, more, 12 years ago. Oh, that wow. was that was probably the, one of the greatest musical experiences of my life. Uh, I saw Dr. John at a folk festival, and that was also one of those things where uh, I, felt, I felt like I had gone into a revival meeting or something. Like I felt like it was a spiritual experience. Same with when I saw Bruce Springsteen, like these massive shows. I don't love massive concerts generally. Yeah. I like smaller, intimate things. But exactly. those those three shows were they had they had everything. They had it was bombastic, but it was also intimate. Yeah. It felt like they felt like they could have been five feet from you. Uh it it somehow it had all it had the, the breadth of experience. Uh so those were like pretty formative on in terms of big concerts, um, and then in terms of songwriters that I've that I've seen in the last while, like um, I've never, well that's not true. I haven't seen Hayes Carl play in fifteen years or something, and so that's something that I need to change because I'm I'm a big fan. I have every record, and uh, I would love to actually see him do his thing because I just haven't in so long. And when I did see him, I, I had no idea who he was, and I didn't have any records yet, so. Um, it's one of those things where I kind of realized, oh no, I saw him play actually. I remember this one particular song. Um, yeah, and of course, uh, John Prine for me, he's the be all end all of of songwriters and performers. He's yeah, who he's who I am most influenced by, um, without a doubt, uh, in terms of how I perform, um, what I want folk music to be, country music, whatever you want to call this. Um, I really. I really think he's a really brilliant, careful, uh, intellectual songwriter that isn't afraid to to make light of our of our flaws and 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 his own. And uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, that was a dream to see him play. So that that was those were those were the main sort of the big ones for me. There's some there's piles of other ones that that are that aren't really coming to the top of my head right now. But but there you go. Um, the closest that I saw John Prine play was when I saw his son, Tommy Prine. Right. He, I haven't seen him yet. Uh, he, he, he opened up for um, um, Tai Tai, the Chill Childers. Oh, yeah. Nice. And uh, um, I managed to see him twice in uh, London. That just amazing. Absolutely. Where, where in London was it? He, um, they played at the Islington Assembly Hall. Yes, yes. Okay, so this like this, cool. you know, because I know that you, you've been over to the UK and stuff. So um, Islington Assembly Hall, it's 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 not huge, no. but it was packed out. And yeah, yeah. One of one of the all time best shows that I've seen. You know, and Tom Tommy was there, and he did it, and he was fantastic. And it was just—he had a bit of a, a bit of a dad's magic there. You could see the gene had been passed along. That's crazy. I'm excited to see him. I'm also nervous to see him, you know, because I because yeah. I because I liked his dad so much. But I'm sure he's great, and uh, I'm look look forward to getting to catch him at some point. Definitely, and. Just talking about your experience, um, I've 
missed out on seeing you because because you you played a Americana here in Jan January. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, what what was that like for you? It was my second time there. It was great, actually. I love that festival. It's a, it's the perfect size. You know, it's it, it's a really great way to to hang with everybody because it's not too big. Yeah. And it's it's pretty confined to Hackney and that that I think is a really good benefit as well like it keeps everybody in the same neighborhood and uh so you're just running into into friends and, and different players that you've wanted to see I ran into Brendan Lee on the street and I fanboyed really hard at my <laughs> I she I never met her and I was like I'm really sore but I need five minutes of your time and I, just, <laughs> I loved her and how much I loved her playing and um yeah and she was really cool about it too and I because I usually don't fanboy with yeah. anybody but I I was like I I have to meet her and I just left my friends and just just begged just begged her for a conversation basically it's like one of those deals um yeah I'm a big fan of hers too I would I would recommend everybody check her out especially live she's like magical. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, and and uh, and then we yeah we toured around a little bit in the UK, and I think we're trying to go back in in September. So yeah, we'll oh wow, to get over there. Yeah, be, yeah, it'll be good. Hopefully, it'll all pan out for us, and we'll yeah. make it back. But yeah, it's great. It's a good tour. And what what's it been like as an artist now that you are allowed to go out and travel and you know. Yeah mix yeah. with people and you know yeah. we, i still know that we're living in a dystopian hellscape because the thing's still there but yeah, we've on mass decided yeah we're just going to forget about it we're just going to carry on with our lives i don't I, i'm i'm I, we we have like at least where i live people don't even talk about it it has been yeah, forgotten like, about well, and, no. and it's it's like a very strange it even it makes it feel more dystopian to me yeah. in some ways because it's like i'm not really willing to admit that it's there and i can't because i have to work and i have to play like i have to do this it's just like what i'm designed to do and so oh man i i'm like very thankful obviously that we, we mm. get to tour tour again but in the back of my mind i'm like i canceled so many dates it's really hard not to feel like there's a chance they're all just going to get canceled again you know i have like 40 shows coming up yeah um, in the next few weeks and the t big tour starts and and it's like part of me thinks oh man maybe i should just wait another week to book hotels you know <laughs> so i don't have to go and cancel them all but like all, all of that stuff is just like i just feel like it's there's way i there's way more of a sense of uncertainty about about every single step i take now and uh, i think i'm just we're all just learning to live with that and try yeah. to make the most of it um yeah you have a lot more people canceling uh shows now when they're oh. sick which i never saw before uh i never i've never canceled a show personally because i was sick yeah knock on wood um but we just had this i this mentality of the show must go on and like i remember like i think it was the slaughtered lamb in london i was like throwing Ooh. up ba back in the bathroom there and then going out and playing 45 minutes and then as this food poisoning or something but that's that just what we did we yeah. would all just we would just power tough and tough it out we there could because otherwise we we feared people would not work with us or something i don't know i don't know what it was but now i think people feel more comfortable that when they're really ill they don't have to do it and uh i think that's probably a net positive i hope i don't have to do that ever but you never know like be nice to have the option if, if you're really if you're really wounded to, to not have to go out there and you know limp through it but um yeah i don't know i'm, I'm excited about the next uh, next while for for tours and, and and shows and and uh just meeting everybody like the joy of this job is getting to meet you know people like you and 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 uh, you know after the show to 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 drink some tea or a beer with somebody and just you know wonder about life and get their stories and uh you know, when you're on stage, it is a lot about you and the songs. But after it's over, it's my job to figure out who's there and 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 figure out, you know, not what they have to offer, but but yeah. who they are. And 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 uh, I, I try to survey as many people as I can, just just because I'm I'm just interested in people and I want to know them and why the hell they would spend money 
coming to see me play. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a pretty strange feeling. Uh, pretty much every time I get on, I'm like, oh, there's going to be no one here tonight. And then we have really nice full rooms. And I'm like, why? Why? I don't know why they're here. <laughs> and uh, it's like, so intriguing to me why people would do that. And uh, I'm getting used to it, I guess. But but it's, uh, it's it's pretty nice when they do show up. That's for sure. Well, I mean, the, the the venue that you spoke of, the Slaughtered Lamb, is such a unique venue as well because you're thinking, where am I going? And then you go down the bay basement yeah. and then you hang a right and then you go in and it's like, oh, and there's that big, massive sign glowing deep red, yeah. Slaughtered Lamb. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's pretty, okay. did pretty I wild, accidentally man. go into like a you know some 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 kind of meeting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so strange. I think it was there. And I know I've played there. Some of those things that I I was in London like ten years ago. So like it's yeah. hard to remember. But we, I man, there was so many beautiful venues in that town. Like it's wild. Like I. I'd put, I opened a show at Union Chapel there once. Union Chapel's amazing. That was that was up that was probably the greatest venue I'd ever played in, I think. Mm. Like for a solo performer, I was just there solo opening for this guy named Justin Curry. And uh it was just remarkably perfect. Like it wasn't the venue was was perfect, but it was also just the night and the show and the crowd and everything was just like magical you know it just it couldn't have gone better and uh that that is like sticks out in my brain is like probably the greatest show i've ever played um if i probably if i heard the recording i would hate it but yeah but uh there was no such recording so <laughs> i'm thank, thankful that it just it gets to exist in my memory as this as this beautiful well perfect show the acoustics at union chapel are just sensational because when they build that place they knew what they were doing yeah. Just, I mean, you can be at the back as far away from, from the main stage as possible, and the sound just carries all the way back. It's like a wave. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I really hope I get to go in there again. I don't care if I get to see a show or play a show. I just want to go in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just amazing. And you talked a bit about your upcoming shows. Um, I know that you've got the... The album's going to be coming out in April. Um, is the tour um, going to be based on promoting the, the album as well then? Yeah, I've I, I tried to get the album out earlier, but you know how these things go. You just, you just, you're just like pushing a stone up a hill. So, so yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to tour it and I, I'm going to be selling the record from stage. Yeah. Like, so it won't be out on streaming services, but people can buy it at the shows, you know, and it's, it's, I'm just waiting for the vinyl to show up at my house here any day. And uh, so we're, we're going to be, we're going to be moving it and we're going to be playing as many songs off it as we can. Uh, as long as the audience can stand it, we're going to do that. And uh, yeah, then we're going to just keep, we're just going to keep hammering those songs. And, and my band is just so good right now. It's the best band I've ever had. And I'm really excited for people to hear the show. So I'm excited to get out and play and, and hang out with my friends. It's going to be a really good time. That's amazing. Um, Dale Barber, thank you so, so much for being on the track. Roger Uno. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you.